Uh, it is good to see you guys. You guys doing good? There's more of you here than what we thought. It's not as summer as we thought. So, that your boat's broke. Anybody's, anybody's boat broke? Just be honest. We got, we got, we got, we got a few, we got a few broke, got a few broke boats, and suddenly touched a, a bad spot right there for you. I'm very sorry about that. Did not mean to to bring up. I, I always have at least one car broke, so I I get I get it. Oh man, um, it's uh, it's good. It is good to be with you guys, and it's good to worship with you guys. In moments like that, I, I just wouldn't trade for the world. Um, and I just uh, uh, and in moments like that, I just I'm reminded constantly, constantly, even just of, in in small ways of like while we started a church, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was. Um, and just uh, just how unbelievable the Lord has been to us, and, and even I just had some conversations even this morning uh, with uh, some of our ladies who do greeting at the door, and you know they're always in rare form and ready to ready to to banter, and you know we were chit chatting and stuff, and uh, you know one of the things that's walking away from that conversation we were just, we were just talking about you know um, talking about different things, but one of the things that came to mind to me as I was walking away from that conversation was that the Lord has continually protected His church. Um, even, even, and I'll say this, and this may seem crazy, this is out of nowhere, it's totally not what I was planning on talking about, um, even, even maybe even churches that you've been a part of in the past, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm always reminded of this, I know that, I know that a lot of things happen in churches of our past, and, and sometimes they're not good things, but I'm, but I'm always, I'm always trying to be reminded that, that the church is the bride of Jesus, and that he has left us especially guys like me, but left all of us as ministers of the gospel uh, to love her well and to treat her well. And, and even, even when she <laughs> veers off the tracks, because these days, you know, she's, she's a lot of times run by sinners and, you know, that kind of thing and sort of thing. Um, and uh, it's funny because we're actually speaking to this day, but I, I've, just, I've just been reminded over 15 years, there's been a lot of, but we've gone through a lot of things. We've seen a lot of things. And, and continually, the Lord has protected his church, and, and he will continue to do that. I believe that. And, and so in moments like that, I, I'm thankful to the Lord, not just that we started a church or that we have a church or that you know, we got a building or whatever, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's great, and you know, obviously the Lord's wanted those things to happen, and that's awesome. Uh, but I, in moments like moments, you know, just like a minute ago, just getting to worship the Lord with a group of people, uh, here doing it uh, the way we do it. I mean, just whatever. Uh, I just I, you can't you just can't know how many people I've had tell me this shouldn't exist here, uh, and and so I always laugh at those statements and think back to those things that have been said to me and go, <laughs> jokes on you because it does, you know. And uh, just how good God's been to us and, and glory to Him for that. So uh, thank you for being a part of the church and and, and loving her well and ministering to others and. And all those things, and you know, for if you haven't loved her well, then uh, you can start now. You know, maybe after after hearing some of that, so uh, and just kind of refocus of of, uh, of who she is and what what this is about. Um, um, real quick, let me make mention of uh, uh, if if you weren't here last week, uh, we rolled out we didn't roll out a whole lot, but we rolled we at least rolled out clicky buttons on a website for you, uh, okay? And uh, and it's because uh, you know we we don't want to let some of these things get away from us. And we have a slide. They don't know that I'm going to ask for this slide, so we'll see if they're really good at like going to it or not. 
uh, but we've got, uh, we've got three opportunities for you to basically just sign up, basically signing up, just saying, I'm interested in this particular type of ministry in the future, and I would like to be a part of getting information about it and gathering to pray over it. And so uh, just there's no, there's no strings attached to uh, if you get on one of these lists and you don't show up to something or whatever, it's not, it, they're not committees. None of that, we don't do committees, by the way, if you didn't know that. Uh, you know, and so, uh, but, you know, so basically we would love for you to be able to, to be involved. Uh, and and the, the three things are, and you can go to the website for this if you want to, or the app, either one. Um, but uh, 24church.com, you'll see, a, you'll see a, a little thing that you can click on that has these three things, and one of them is uh, an addiction, a recovery ministry, uh, adoption, uh, and foster care uh, ministry, uh, and then uh, the bus neighborhood stuff that we've been talking about until we're blue in the face. Um, and uh, you know, you've, you've heard us talk about uh, these two on the end, the one in the middle probably not so much, actually wore my uh, adoption shirt today that the Dices were selling, and um, it, uh, I think they're still selling these. Money t- for these from these goes to adoption. We actually have another family in our church uh, that uh, the chances who are also uh, in the midst of an adoption, and uh, and you know if they're they're also selling a shirt, uh, I would love one of those shirts if you can hook me up. You know, would I'll pay you for it, whatever. Uh, but. Uh, but uh, seriously, I'm, I'm saying that to say hunt these people down, uh, you know, and and give them some money uh, to help with their adoptions. Uh, this is this has been a big part of the heart of 24 Church since uh, the very beginning, uh, and uh, we've had we've had two failed adoptions because we got pregnant both times uh, at uh, our house, and then uh, my wife was adopted as well, and so uh, it's just uh, it's not happened for our family, but we we are so excited about it happening for some others, even like right now. And so uh, anyway, be, be just, again, these three things, if you go and you click and you sign up for one, it's just saying, I think God wants me to be a part of this somehow. I don't even know what it looks like. Because don't, don't get your hopes up too high, because here's the deal. We literally are just doing this as a preliminary stage of like, let's start to gather some people who think that this might be their thing, that we might get together and at least pray over where's God leading this particular thing. Uh, you might not sign up for all three, okay? But uh, there have been a couple people who have done that, but, you know, whatever. You know, uh, you know, whatever the Lord leads you to do, we want you to be involved, uh, but we don't want to over-program you either. So uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's what's up with that. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into the book of Mark. The book of Mark. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and get it out. Uh, we're going back to chapter 12. We're finishing chapter 12 today. Uh, Book of Mark. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They will bring them down the aisle and uh, will gladly give you a Bible if you don't own one. And uh, you can keep it. We'd love for you to have it. My man's got his Metallica shirt on today, and I'm loving that. So if you're it, it, so because your first service and you missed it last week because your first service, I had a uh, right before I walked up in the second service last week. And by the way, this joke, this thing totally failed. But I'm going to share it with you guys because you guys usually get it when second service doesn't. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and, and it, I, got, I got sent this meme, and it was a picture of uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy, okay, and, and James Hatfield, who is the lead singer for Metallica, for those of you that need that kind of education, that's fine too. And it said, if James Hatfield married 
Miss Piggy and Kermit, that would make him the pastor of Muppets. <laughs> Master of Puppets was a Metallica album, so for those of you that didn't get it, that's okay. It excited me. I had to share it, and then I shared it, and the second service just looked at me. At least some of you laughed. Like, seven services, just like, what? Is this a Metallica joke again? What is it? Sorry. So um, we're picking up in the book of Mark today uh, where, we, where we left off last week, and I was full of myself last week. Somebody, Doc, told me, told me, he's like, man, you need to take breaks more often. You were, you know, I was like, oh, great, you know. So, uh, but, uh, but no, and uh, last week we were talking about Jesus, and part of this, you know, whole thing of Jesus you know, these guys coming after Jesus with these crazy questions, and they're trying to catch him and all these kinds of things, and they ask him one of those crazy questions in a passage that I kind of talked about quickly before moving into uh, the passage that I really preached through last week, uh, still all in Mark chapter 12, if you want to look back at it. And, and at a point, Jesus answers this question to them and basically kind of like, rebukes them and makes it known that they obviously don't know the scriptures and they're trying to twist them. And, and it says at the end of that passage, and they ask no more questions, period. And it was kind of like, bam, you know, Jesus finally shut them down, you know. And so, uh, you know, kind of coming off of that, we've got this moment happening in scripture today where Jesus is continuing to talk and to teach, but he's coming off of that whole just just had kind of, you know, answered the last question, so to speak, and, and kind of helped shut some stuff down and, and, you know, get some clarity about some things. And then he leads into actually asking questions himself about things pertaining to himself. So where they, they no longer have the guts to continue to ask him questions, he kind of asks some questions for them. And, 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 it's, and it's not just like normal everyday questions. It's the kind of questions that this crew that, of people that are trying to come after him, this is the kind of question that they love, but they love it because they want to use it to trap him. And so he's, gonna, he's going ahead and he's like, I'm a, I, I, know, I know something that you guys are thinking about, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this thing out and I'm going to throw it on the ground, and then, I, and then we're going to explode it and like show you exactly what this thing is about. And so that's what Jesus does in this passage today in Mark chapter 12 and in verse 35. And in fact, let's just, just go ahead and read right here. It says this together. It says, And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes... Say that the Christ is the son of David, David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Set at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. So Jesus, let me let me kind of let me give us a little explanation here. Let me kind of give a little background because this could be real confusing. Just coming out of the gate, and you're like, what, "What's going on?" So Jesus is actually um, he's actually actually referencing Psalm 110. Psalm 110. You can go there and look at it if you want to. It's the very first verse of Psalm 110. Uh, but Psalm 110 is actually it's actually one of the most quoted psalms in the New Testament at least at least 30 times. Uh, psalm 10 gets referred to in the New Testament. 
by other folks. And here, specifically, Jesus. And by the way, on Jesus' teaching of it, a lot of the other people that we see referred to in the New Testament are also pointing back to when Jesus taught about it. Uh, because they're kind of like, well, Jesus said... Uh, and Jesus says some things here that I think are very important. So what, what's going on here is just two, two things, and it's real simple, so don't, don't get lost in the, in the shuffle of some of this wording, and we'll read through it again here in just a minute. Two things going on here. Jesus, known to be of the lineage of David, okay? So Jesus is of the lineage of David, and this was known, like this was foretold from you know, long ago and all this kind of stuff that, you know, David would have a son, quote unquote, you know, some great, 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 you know, grandson kind of thing. And, and, and that that would be Jesus, right? And so we know that, that David's lineage would produce somewhere this person. So that's part of this, that's part of this question. As he says, how can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? Okay. And so he's saying, you know, teachers have been saying that Christ is the son of David. David himself, verse 36, David himself in the Holy Spirit, we're going to come back to that, declared that the Lord said to my Lord, set at my right hand until I put, my, put your enemies under your feet. Let's go back to that. The Lord said to my Lord, set at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus is taking this passage and he's pulling something else out here that David says. This is, of course, David. Let's, let's give a little more history here. David wrote the Psalms. We're pretty sure here, okay? And so David wrote Psalms. And so David's the one who's penned this. So David, this great king, which, by the way, I mean, they, like, they thought David was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, and pretty much... He was the greatest leader that Israel had ever seen. I mean, the stuff that happened under David, the leadership that he provided, I mean, he was no perfect angel himself, and we get, we get some of that in some other passages or whatever, uh, and, and he doesn't claim to be. But David did amazing things as a king. I mean, he's widely considered to be the man, okay? And, and so they, they think so highly of David. And so their thought that this Messiah to come, that would come from David, from the lineage of David, would be, you know, surely to goodness, if he's from the lineage of David, he could do no wrong. He's going to be the greatest, now get ready for it, political king that we could possibly ever imagine. Because again, you've got to go back to, and I haven't talked about this in a little while, because it's been, we, we had not been in Mark as much here in a little while. But the people at this point in time, they're look, yeah, they're looking for a Messiah. They've heard Jesus is this guy. But they're also thinking that the Messiah to come is this political savior. You know, this president who's going to save everybody. You know, this king in their kingdom who's going to save everybody. Going to make everything wonderful and great again, you know? And, and, and I mean, that's, that's, that's their hope. And so again, think about it. Politically, David the king being like the guy who they're like, he was the man. We need another David. Where's the next David coming from? And the hope being put into Jesus, being of that lineage, that he is that guy and that he's going to make everything Wonderful and great, and everybody will rich and you know be rich and eat lobster and all that stuff every day and 
you know, whatever. I love lobster. Let's have some lobster sometime. Uh, we don't have enough lobster. We can't buy a good lobster in Pleasant View. Like, what's up with that? Can we get an ocean up here or something? So, um, David, sorry. So David, you know, does this, you know, we, we have this history behind Jesus because of David. And so Jesus is talking about that. And he's talking about in Psalm 110 where David says this, Christ, you know, it's going to be, you know, this, this son to come, you know, this lineage of David. And then, but David says this, the Lord said to my Lord, set at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. That's all there in Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord. Now, I, I read, I don't know, uh, five different people's version of what they think like this really you know, comes down to and what this is talking about. And, and at the end of the day, this, this is David speaking to something very specific. David is speaking to something very specific. And I love what Jesus says about it. Jesus says, if you notice, in verse 36, it says, right before Jesus quotes David in this, he says, David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared. In the Holy Spirit, declared, the Lord said to my Lord. Jesus is making a point. Jesus is making a point, number one, that this is the Lord speaking through David to say this. This isn't David botching his language here and stumbling over himself to say something twice. He says that he says, because the Holy Spirit leads him, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. I want to read you something because R.C. Sproul says it better than me. This is a commentary on Mark, R.C. Sproul, probably one of, from one of his messages, to be honest with you, uh, a great preacher of our time. And he says this, it says, just follow, just not, not going to read a whole lot here, but it says, he said, and this is per pertaining to this specific thing, he says, he said, I am who I am, which is out of Exodus 3.14. I am who I am. We've heard that. In this verse, in Psalm 110, Yahweh is having a conversation with someone who is given the title Adonai or Lord. In most cases in the Old Testament, Adonai is the scripture title for Yahweh. It means the one who is absolutely sovereign. Absolutely sovereign. This is why we sometimes find the words Lord and Lord back to back in Scripture. Now, that, that seems like this, right? Okay, that seems like it, but then he kind of corrects this, this. For example, in Psalm 8, we read, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. This literally reads, O Yahweh, our Adonai. It is saying, our Yahweh, our sovereign one, how excellent is your name. Then he goes on. So Yahweh, Lord, and Adonai, Lord, both Lord, okay? Yahweh, Lord, two different, two different ways to, to refer to, to God, but both can be read as Lord. Yahweh, Lord, and Adonai, Lord, usually refer to the same person, namely God. Yet, 
Here in Psalm 110, we find Yahweh calling someone else Adonai. How would that happen? Right? He says, here we find Yahweh calling someone else Adonai. David certainly is not saying, the Lord said to himself. Rather, he says, the Lord said to my Lord or my Adonai. Clearly, he is thinking of two different people. Who then is David's Adonai? Who is sovereign over the king of Israel in Hebrew categories that would be God? So it seems that God is speaking to someone else who carries the title for God. Thus, Jesus said to the scholars, what do you think about this? What is the Holy Spirit saying? <laughs> I love how he words that. He says, what, he doesn't say, what do you think David's saying? He's saying, what is the Holy Spirit? What is God saying through David in that passage of Scripture that we hold so dear? Where he says, the Lord said to my Lord. And he's saying that the Lord Yahweh is saying, my Adonai. And he's referring to a second He's referring to Jesus. And so, Jesus brings about this question. And this question is pretty simple when you really get down to it. He's basically saying, why, why, is, why is David talking about this person to be Lord that is also his lineage? And you see, and here's, here's another piece of the puzzle. For them... Big deal, huge deal. And, and this is still a, a deal for us too, I think. But even bigger for them at that point in time was that like people in your lineage, like people that are older than you, like you had like res mad respect for people that were older than you that were a part of your family. Like you, you, you know, it was, it was understood that like, man, you should care for them, listen to their wisdom, all this kind of stuff. Some of you parents right now are like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Like I need some of that at my house right now, right? And, and, and so... Uh, you know, and so for David's lineage, somebody in David's lineage, okay, it's one thing to like, oh, he's going to, the, the, the Messiah who's going to come save us politically is going to be okay from the lineage. But David is saying much more than that. He's saying that the Lord is saying to the Lord, to the Son, the Father is saying to the Son, and it's beginning to make more sense that really what he's saying is that this Messiah is also the Lord. He's not just a political Messiah. Told from long ago and that they hadn't really picked it up. And, that they, and, and so Jesus is, Jesus is throwing this at these people. And he's like, so how does somebody from David's lineage end up also being David's Lord? So there was like the crux of the thing that like would really like mess them up in the head for the day, Okay. And Jesus says, what is the Holy Spirit saying here? What is the Holy Spirit saying here? And for them in that moment, uh, I, and I don't know if they got it right away or if it took much time or what, but I, I'll tell you this, I know for a fact that the early church, I mean, they took this passage of Jesus talking about this and they ran with it full steam. 
like as an understanding of like where where this is coming from and 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 that the lineage of David not only would he be the lineage of David who normally would come under David's rule so to speak even though David's gone and all that kind of stuff you know but that he would be the lord of David makes it so much more amazing that i mean this is something that only God could do and this is something that the Holy Spirit, the Lord, was wanting them to understand. This is huge for us. This is huge for us. And I, and I, know, I know for sometimes in situations like this when we're reading a passage like this, we don't, we don't think about it a whole lot as being like that big of a deal because we're so used to democracy. Um, and, and this is talking about kings and kingdom type stuff. But there's, but there's a lot at play. And we're going to come back to that. I want to come back to that in just a few minutes. I want us to go ahead and re, uh, go forward a little bit and read a little more. In verse 38, we see Jesus kind of go on a little bit of a rant. In verse 38, he says, And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus is um, making a bit of a stand here. So we've gone from Jesus making the statement basically, I am the Lord, okay? So, and, and, and up to this point, we haven't had much of that. But now, you, you want to talk about, like, uh, for the people that have been after Jesus, if, if you were looking for a moment when it was like, get ready, set, go hunt Jesus right now, this is the moment, okay? Like, this is, this is, this is, if, if, if anything is going to make this escalate quickly, it's going to be what Jesus says in these little these little bits that we're talking about right here today as if he didn't say enough already. He says, I'm the Lord. Then secondly, he's coming now, and he's saying, beware of the scribes who walk around long robes, greetings in marketplaces, best seats in synagogues, honor at the feasts, uh, seats of honor at the feasts, uh, devour widows' houses, make, make long prayers, all of this stuff. He's saying, watch out for the thieves. He's saying, watch, watch out for the wolves in sheep's clothing. He's saying, you will know them by these things. And we have other passages that help us to kind of weed those people out. But that's basically what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you will know them by these things. The people that, the people that devour widows' houses for a pretense and make long prayers. You know, what, what's the deal with the widows' houses? Well, here's the deal. I mean, basically, scribes, people, especially, uh, you know, uh, holding any kind of authority at the temple... You know, and, and at this point, you got, you got, there's so much, man, I can't, we don't have time for all of it. There was so much going on at the temple. I mean, and I've talked about this many, many weeks ago when we were back in Mark before Worth It and everything. Um, but many, many weeks ago, I talked about just all of this stuff that was going on at the temple and how basically it was like the marketplace. It had turned into like so much more than a place to worship. It was like the place where people were going to to you know, sell their chickens, and I mean, just all—I mean, just all kinds of stuff was going on, and so they kept having to—they were they, the temple was taking in more money. They kept having to hire more people, and the truth is, is they ended up hiring people that were you know their, their calling was not 
you know, let's see the gospel go out, let's be the light of the world, and let's worship the Lord and, you know, make him known in all things. You know, that, that was not their mission, okay? They were not, you know, gospel family mission. That was not their mission. Uh, and, and so for the people at this time to hear this, this is a big deal. Jesus drops this bomb, and he's like, look, you'll know these people by these things. And so one of the things that would end up happening is that in a lot of situations, widows, widows many times had to rely on the, the temple. And, 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 and basically, these people who were helping run the temple, I'm not going to call them pastors because I'm just not going to go there. Uh, you know, but basically, these people that were helping to run the temple many times would be the people that would help take care of the widows and all of their things. And there was obviously, at moments, some of these people who were literally taking advantage of widows and taking their houses. I mean, you can kind of you can kind of see how this plays out. You know, widows have to rely on someone else to help take care of them. Jesus is basically saying these guys are dirty. They are not to be trusted. They are all about themselves, and they are thieves. Not only does he say all that, then he drops, they will receive the greater condemnation. In other words, he says, and this is, this is true of pastors and, and anybody, that they will be held accountable for the things that they do or don't do in this life. And we understand that scripturally to be true elsewhere as well. This is a moment that some of them have been waiting for to come hunt Jesus down at this point. Jesus isn't done. He keeps teaching. Last little thing. It's just a little snippet. I want you to hang with me. It says this in verse 41. It says, And he sat down opposite the treasury, Jesus, and he sat down opposite of the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called to his disciples, he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of the poverty, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is a famous passage. I, I remember for some reason in grade school, people don't say that anymore, grade school. That sounds like something, you know, people don't talk about it like that. But I remember in grade school, like, I don't know, probably like second grade, first grade or something, I don't know. Uh, I remember watching a movie at school, public school, that was basically about this. That was about, and I just, it's, it's always stuck with me for some reason, that we watched, this, we watched this cartoon movie or whatever it was about the widow who gave everything she had, which was these two coins. Jesus is making a point here. He's saying there's tons of people here that are giving tons of money. He's, he's like, there's, there's a lot of people, there's rich people here that are giving a lot. And then he says, but then there is this 
there is this one widow, and she comes and she gives her two coins. And he says, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. He doesn't mean that she has put in a bigger offering. So what's he mean? He says, verse 44, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had and had to live on. This is the kind of passage that I believe Jesus teaches us because he wants us to be reminded, and I've said this before, but I'll continue to say it because I want us to always try to come back to this, especially when we're thinking about our giving, that part of the reason and why, I think a large part of the reason why God calls us to bring back a portion of what he's given us to manage is so that we don't love it too much. You know what I mean? It. Whatever it is. That we wouldn't put something else in the place of worship in our life, but that God would hold that place. That he would sit on that throne. That we wouldn't love the money or the stuff, you know, what, what, whatever it is. Whatever it is, that, that we wouldn't worship those things. It wasn't about the amount. It was about her heart. It was about her trust in the Lord. Think about it. Think about it. A, a widow trusts people around her to help her in a situation like this. Gospel Transformation Study Bible said this, and I just, I just had to share it. It said, her devotion also indicates complete dependence on God. She gives all she has, expecting him to provide all that she needs. I'll say that again. She gives all that she has, expecting him to provide all that she needs. All that she needs. At our house, on Sunday afternoons, we have microchurch usually meets at our house on Sunday nights. On Sunday afternoons, while I'm trying to take my holy nap of the day, uh, after I've been up late usually studying and preached twice on a Sunday morning, trying to be ready to like be with people again on Sunday evening, which can be weird. And if I don't get it, I'm weird usually, just to be honest with you. Uh, and, and so, you know, but while that's happening, at my house, one of the things that starts to take place is that my family, my loving family, uh, get, they, they start to get ready for people to come to the house. They start to get ready for people to get there. This, this looks and sounds like many things when this is happening. And, and, and even, even, from if I'm, even if I'm laying on my bed, I can, I can almost tell you exactly who is doing things or maybe the better way to put it, who is doing the wrong things, right? Because when you've got seven kids, even as young as my kids are, they have gotten to the point where they have the ability to begin to police one another with who is doing something and who is not. You know what I'm saying? The preparation time of microchurch can sometimes be a volatile place at my home, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I think for us, I think that we forget 
that this life is a preparation time for something much more. And that's why a passage like this just completely knocks us off our feet and we see the widow give everything that she has and we're like, oh my gosh, honey, how would we ever, we, how, we, how could we give everything we have and still, what, what, what would we, you know, I mean, it, it just, because in our minds, how in, the, you know, I mean, we just are so here and now, right? We're so here and now. And, that, and that's just a, I mean, that's just an ongoing struggle for all of us. It's understandable. I'm reminded in these passages that there is a king who will return to rule over his kingdom. There is a king who will return to rule over his kingdom. In fact, I want to read a passage about it real quick if we can. Philippians 2 verse 5 says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. This is our Jesus, by the way. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by, bec by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the time of at, at, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's gonna happen. That's gonna happen. And, and, and us worrying about all the stuff, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now, us worrying about all the stuff that we're worried about this week is going to go away. It's all going to be gone. And this is still going to happen because he's still going to be Lord of all. I mean, it, it's an unbelievable thing when we really think about it. It's an unbelievable thing when we really think about what God has done, that there is a kingdom to come, that there is a kingdom that He has made for us, that He has made for Himself. And it is His kingdom. And, and, and it, man, it's, I think it's so hard for us in this life to remember that sort of thing because in this life we're so struggling with like the moment right now of what does this look like right now for us how do we even see? What does it even look like to see his kingdom in the now? We're left with his bride, the church, which is messy and it's full of sinners. And if you're talking about like, you know, the king that, you know, has left for a little while and he's left some other people in charge of those things, I mean, look at what you guys got stuck with, you know? I mean, look at who the pastors are here, you know? And, and I mean, but, you know, it's this amazing picture of what God can do when God wants to do something. one of the renditions of Robin Hood. One of the renditions of Robin Hood, we see Richard the Lionheart, who is the king, leave England to go fight in the Crusades. This is kind of how Robin Hood gets rolling, okay, in the story of Robin Hood. Because when Richard leaves, he leaves his brother, good old Prince John, in charge. And Prince John jacks everything up. 
I mean, he's greedy. He's, he's all the things you don't want in your king, okay? And, and so, like, he's taking and he's doing whatever he wants for himself. And so this is where Robin Hood and his merry men rise up to the occasion, okay? And so they rise up. And of course, what do they do? They go start, you know, robbing from the rich, giving to the poor. You know, it sound, sounds kind of fun. You know, like we get, we get a bunch of bubbas together and see him county. We can go do this. You know, I know some people. I know you do too. Some of y'all are shadier than I am. <clears throat> and Richard, it's at a point, Richard, King Richard, finally comes home. He, start, he starts his journey home. And during his journey home, he hears about, okay, he hears about what's going on. And he hears about this Robin Hood and the Merry Men. And he hears about what they're doing and that they're in Sherwood Forest most of the time hiding out and that kind of thing. And so he purposefully veers off to go through Sherwood Forest as to try to intercept Robin Hood at some point. And Robin Hood and his boys end up intercepting the king and they jump on them, and in the middle of this whole thing going down, Robin Hood, you know, I'm, I'm imagining with sword to the king's neck and all this kind of stuff, you know, is like, give me, give me all your things. And the, and the king, of course, he doesn't know it's the king because the king's dressed like a monk. The king looks at him and says, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And Robin Hood responds, because of my allegiance to my king. And the king at that point pulls back his robe and shows him the crest that he has, the lion on it and all that kind of stuff. And he realizes, oh my gosh, it's the king. And he falls to his knees. And he's like, oh my king, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Might we be reminded today that our God, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, Adonai, the greatest, is still on his throne. And in the meantime, while Brother John is the one being seen taking care of things, that the King of Kings is still set to return and rule over his throne and his kingdom. And what are we doing right now? We're preparing for that. We're preparing for that, hopefully better than my kids prepare on Sunday afternoon. But it just, and, and listen, I, I, just, I just say all that to say this. I think sometimes we need that kind of context for us to, for us to be reminded, what is this life for? What is the purpose of our breath and our being that God would use us for his glory? There will be a return of the king. The question today is this, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with the king? Have you trusted in Jesus have you trusted in the sacrifice that was made that we just read about, the one where he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, that he took the death that we deserve for our sin? And he said, I'll take theirs. Let them in. All you have to do is believe. 
Have you believed? Have you trusted in Him? Might we be challenged today that we would all follow Him, being reminded that as He comes to return, that we come to prepare for His return because that's what this is all about. Not just Sunday mornings, mind you. Every moment of our life that we take the moments given to be the family of God, to be light into this world, that they might also know the King as we know Him too. Let's pray together. God, I pray that if there is one person listening to me right now that hasn't trusted in You, believed in You to be their Savior, I pray that today would be the day that You would work in their heart, that You would show them the truth, that you would reveal to them who you are in such a way, Lord, that it is impossible for them to ignore. God, I, I pray that they would speak to someone today, one of us, somebody else that they know and trust, that they know loves you, cares about you, and loves them. God, work in their life, work in their hearts, save them today from their sin, bring them new life with a new purpose and a reason to breathe. God, thank you for what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. God, as we as your people seek to glorify you in all we do, God, may we be reminded that you will return to sit on your throne and rule over your kingdom. God, may, be, may it be exactly as you hope it to be when you get back. God, use us for your sake and for your glory. We ask all of this in your son's name.